0: Well, good day to you, KCR. It is really great to be with you in online, if not in person. Once again, I think the last time I preached with you guys, it was online as well. But it really is a joy to be with you, and I believe what I have to share with you today is very significant for the church and generally, but I think for, for you specifically as a church in the season that you're in. I know that you're preaching on the end times around the eschatology, um, the, end, the end of things, Jesus, the eschaton. I, I believe you're talking about that. Um, I think whatever, whichever way you go with your eschatology, if it doesn't land in mission, it's probably not eschatology that Jesus is the center of. I think all eschatology or ten end times teaching has got to take us into bringing heaven to earth, into seeing people's lives changed. Um, which is what I, which is what I want to encourage you, exhort you uh, to in this morning. So I'm going to look at two texts. Uh, one in particular, I'm going to look at Matthew chapter nine, verses thirty-five to thirty-eight. Matthew nine, verse thirty-five to thirty-eight. It's a very well-known text, and I'm going to briefly look at John chapter four, verse thirty-four to thirty-eight. In fact, I'm probably going to start with that text and then go to John, I mean Matthew chapter nine verse thirty-five to thirty-eight. So, what I want to talk about this this morning is harvest, harvest, the importance and the significance of the harvest that is before us. Um, hence, cha- Matthew chapter nine, which is Jesus talking about his harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We'll read that text now. But this is what it says in John chapter four about the harvest, verse thirty-four. This is Jesus talking. He says, "My food is to do the will." of whom he sent me, and to finish his work. Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. There's incredible joy in the harvest. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. This is a this was a proverb of the time. And the idea there was the proverb said, Listen, just relax, just chill out. You've got four months until the harvest. It's kind of a it's one of those kinds of sayings that chill out, bro. You've got four months, there's still the harvest is still coming. Just just relax, just wait. And Jesus is actually trying to counter that proverb trying to counter that that kind of saying with saying listen actually you haven't got four months the harvest is now it's 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 even now the reaper is drawing his wages you look look to the fields open your eyes and look to the fields it's not four months it's, it's not relaxing time it's not waiting time the harvest is upon us and so um john chapter four urges us to look open our eyes to see the harvest And and because the the reaper is starting to gather his wages. Matthew Matthew chapter 9, which is probably a better known text, says this. Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 through to verse 38 says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples... The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Both those texts, friends, are very, very significant texts. And, I, as, and as much as it seems like the time that we're in now, another le- level four lockdown, COVID and all around us, friends, I want to I exhort us at this time to open our eyes because the harvest is upon us the harvest is upon us and uh, I want to I want to talk about that harvest I want to I want to I want to unpack that that Matthew chapter 9 text which which is so informative and it's it's so kind of it's quite deep actually when you think about when it when it kind of talks about the harvest and I'd love to unpack that more and get us excited about us being involved in the ha- in the harvest. We see Jesus in Matthew chapter 9 walking through the towns and villages and teaching in the synagogues preaching the news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So what we do is we actually see Jesus harvesting. We actually see Jesus demonstrating to his disciples that there's a harvest on and watch me look at it. Now I want you to begin to copy and begin to use, I want you to begin to do what I'm doing. And he said, says that, that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It's quite amazing that Jesus looks at these people that are harassed and helpless. Some translations say confused, bewildered, um, helpless and distressed. Um, he looks at these people. It's basically, it's actually, these are people that need a shepherd. In the Old Testament times, a shepherd was the king, was a leader, was a ruler. And so Jesus looks at them and says, actually, these people need me. They need a king. They're harassed, helpless, bewildered, confused, going nowhere fast, because they need a king, they need a shepherd. And he he says this to his disciples. Um, He goes on to then say to his disciples, Now, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his fields and so he kind of takes the the imagery of a shepherd that needs a a sheep that needs a shepherd and he and he conflates it with a harvest that is needs harvesters and so it's actually quite it's quite intriguing because he kind of he he looks at the sheep without a shepherd and he says actually can you not see that there's a harvest you can you not see these sheep need a king, they need to be taken to a king, they need to be taken to a lord, they need to be taken to a savior, they need to be redeemed, they need to be reconciled back to to their father. Do you not see this? Can you not see that the harvest is plentiful? And friends, I don't think ever before in the life of my life, in the life of the church, has the, the harvest ever been as plentiful as it is now. It's never been as plentiful as it is now. It's like it's like people are questioning, people are asking questions, people are looking for answers, people are bewildered, people are confused, and they are looking for a shepherd. Friends, our job is to be those harvesters that take those sheep to the shepherd. And when I completely conflate the imagery, it's it's this is what Jesus is trying to say here. He's saying, listen, guys, the sheep taking sheep. And connecting them to the shepherd is actually doing the work of harvesting, and um, with that in mind i want to I want to bring out a few points i 've got six seven, eight points about the harvest, and I want to kind of help us inspire us and bring our minds to this idea of the harvest. remember jesus said in john chapter john he's saying listen guys don't don't tell me it's four months it's now the harvest is now and uh Let's talk about the harvest. First thing is this, is that the harvest was a great time of joy and hope. And um, at the time of harvest, it was like the harvest has come in, we're going to live for another year. We're going to eat and we've got got bread to eat and we've got seed to sow for another year. It was a great time of jubilation. It was a great time of, of hope and joy. And I realized this when When it comes to the harvest, when we work on the church, and are involved with church life, more than we can see the harvest, we actually begin to lose our joy. Friends, the the church is losing its joy because it's not seeing the harvest. When the harvest is coming in, the joy, the hope, and the life of God begins to flood into our minds and hearts. And it's quite interesting in John chapter four. It says the sower and the reaper are glad together. There's this idea of, of when we are in busy harvesting, when we're concentrating, when what's foremost in our mind is the harvest. The reason why we serve in the life of a church is because of the harvest that's upon us. When we start to see the harvest, joy starts to flood and fill our hearts again. Drew Land and Megan Land went and planted in Uh, the US this not even uh, six months ago maybe a little bit longer now and uh, for the first three months they didn't know what to do they didn't know whether to get a job straight away or plant or do and they were kind of and suddenly God spoke to them and said I want you to plant a church and literally Drew and Megs went into church planting mode and literally every single person they saw or encountered became part of the harvest and friends, it was. It's a. It was a. I wish I could have recorded a conversation after that revelation, and a conversation with them before that revelation. Before that revelation, he was like, yeah, oh, a little bit losing his joy, kind of. Where, I don't know what we're going to do. No hope. What's happening? Not that they didn't have hope, but they were trusting God. And but after they realized the harvest was around them, friends, the joy of God came back to them. Friends, harvest. When we see the harvest, we fill our lives. When we get our hands stuck into the harvest, we fill our lives with joy and hope. Friends, look beyond yourself. Look to the harvest and allow God to fill you with joy and hope. Number two is this. The harvest is deeper than evangelism. So when we think of harvest, we think of evangelism. I think evangelism is, of course... A very significant part of the harvest. That's the beginning of the journey. But I think when you look at what Jesus kind of puts into the harvest, sheep without a shepherd, we start to see that harvesting is taking sheep, connecting them to the shepherd, which is, which is harvesting, which is evangelism, and then teaching them to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. Actually, harvest is about discipleship. The process of meeting the shepherd, knowing the shepherd, following the shepherd and is becoming a disciple of Jesus. And I think the harvest, when we, if we think of the harvest only as a bunch of people making decisions for Jesus, we're missing what Jesus is intending in Matthew chapter 9 about the harvest. The harvest has got to do with making disciples. If we can proactively reprogram our minds to see our church meetings, our moments online, and whatever we're doing, with the harvest in mind, joy will flood our hearts, hope will flood our hearts, and we'll start to become disciple makers. Disciple making is the key to harvesting. We've got to be thinking of the harvest with a disciple making lens, not just getting people saved. Shepherding people to the King is the harvest. I want to, I want to, I want to help us as a church make sure that we are thinking in the disciple, but discipling lens, connecting, following Jesus lens, not just doing church lens, not just feeding those that know Jesus but actually looking for those that don't know Jesus and actually beginning to put the and and be that bridge for them to shepherd them and to take them to the king. The third thing is this harvest is provision. Harvest is provision. When I realized this I realized so much of what we do is we when we uh, if we're worrying about the harvest if we're concentrating on the harvest, let me rephrase that. If we're concentrating on the harvest, provision will come. If we're concentrating on provision, we lose sight of the harvest. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to get us back to friends, we've got to have faith for the harvest, to see the harvest, to disciple people to the shepherd, to, to the king. But friends, we've got to stop worrying. We've got to start worrying more about the harvest than what we're worrying about money. And I think this is true for church leaders as we lead our churches, but it's true for everybody in the life of the church. John chapter 4, in that text that I read, it says, the harvester draws wa- the harvesters draw their wages. There is a wage that comes with harvesting, friends. I believe when we minister to people, God takes care of our needs. And I believe this is what this text of Jesus begins to teach us when we kind of start to look a little bit deeper When we concentrate on the harvest, provision will come. Point number four. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We don't ask for the harvest. That's an incredible thing. We are not called to pray for the harvest. We are called to pray for the people to do the work of harvesting. Because Jesus says, I've prepared the harvest. Your job is is to do the harvesting. It's incredible, friends. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You see, friend, our lack is not the harvest. The lack is not the opportunity. The lack is not ability. The lack is not power. The lack is people that are available to do the work of harvesting. And Jesus says to his disciples, these are the guys that he's sending out. And in in Matthew chapter 10, he sends them out and they start ministering on their own with authority and power. And it's quite interesting. He says to them, don't pray for the harvest. Pray for workers. Pray for the fact that you will raise up leaders, that you will raise up workers, that you will raise up disciples that make other disciples. You will raise up people that put their shoulder to the work. And get the work done, the work of harvesting done. Isn't it incredible, friends? You see, when we start to think, when we start to realize and understand that the harvest has been made ready by Jesus. Our job is not to prepare a harvest. Our job is to raise up leaders. Our job is to raise up a generation of people that know who they are in Christ... That know what they have, what's available to them in Christ, and can impart the life of Jesus and bring the life of God and bring the kingship and the shepherding heart of God to people so that the harvest will come in. Where's your where's your heart? I I, I really don't believe that there's any excuses for the church around the harvest. When I look at this text, there's no excuses. He says, he says to his disciples, get into the closet and pray that God would raise up harvesters that there would be ask me ask me he says some translations say ask me earnestly pray earnestly in the ESV it says therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his field he says ask me if you ask me I will raise up assistance I will raise up people which leads us to point number five Jesus is the Lord of the harvest and maybe I should have put this, first, this point first. You see, Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, means He owns the harvest, means He died for the harvest, means He's in charge of the harvest, means He directs the harvesting team, He puts the harvesting team together, He puts the vehicles together, He provides what's needed for the harvesting. All we've got to do is know that He's in charge and partner with Him and play our part with Him and allow Him to lead us, guide us, empower us and display the work and the power of the church to the harvest fields that so desperately need reaping at this time. He knows the harvest. He knows the field. He knows all that's required. Friends, the pressure is not on us. The pressure is not on us to raise raise up a harvest. uh, Jesus comes and He asks His disciples to pray that they would raise up a generation of harvesters. Where, where's your heart? I, 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 look at, I look at my life and I think, Lord, how much of my life as a church leader goes into building the church or doing admin at church or thinking about where the, the next leaders are coming from or, or actually I think this, if I had to focus more on the harvest if I have to look more, and the more I focus on the harvest, the more the leaders come. The more, the more I focus on the harvest, the more availability there are people to lead home groups. The more I focus on the harvest, the less I have to worry about money. The more I have to focus on the harvest, the more joy and hope there is. And actually, I don't get bogged down into the detail because I'm getting on with what God's called us to do. It takes the pressure off. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Our job is to ask God... Our job is to help God. Our job is to partner with God in raising up leaders that will recognize and have hearts and eyes for the harvest. Where's your hearts and eyes this morning? We have such a temptation right now to get inward, insular, individualistic, take care of my own needs and not think about the harvest that's at hand. We have such an opportunity now to, to go back into our shells. Instead of begin to say, God, what is it that you have? What is the hope and joy that you have for us? Friends, I want to say the hope and joy that God has for us today is a harvest that is plentiful. That he wants us to be involved in. Number six. When we concentrate on the harvest, when we think about the harvest, it creates a need. Listen, listen to this. It creates a need that leads us to earnest prayer. See, Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest to raise up harvesters, to raise up laborers in his field. It's his field. Remember that. It's his harvest. It's his field. It's all is his. And I think when we stop concentrating on the harvest, we actually lose something in prayer. I think some of the lack of prayer life in the life of the church is because of a lack of harvest love. Because you know what? When you are harvesting. When, you're, when you've got your hands in the midst of the harvest. And you see the, the, the power. You, you, you see the resource. You, you, you kind of get what's at stake here. Friends, it drives us to earnest prayer. It puts us on our knees in humility saying, God, we need help. God, will you help us and God, will you raise up leaders? We need help here. I said this, prayer is more meaningful and powerful and real when you're in the midst of harvest and realize you need help and you can't do this on your own. Friends, when we realize there's a harvest at hand and we can't do it on our own and we need prayer to do it, we need prayer to do this, I tell you what, our prayer meetings at church and our prayer lives and our culture of prayer in our churches will go through the roof. But I think it's, part of it is catching a glimpse of the harvest. Drives us to our knees for prayer. A.C. Dixon said this, When we depend upon organizations, we get what organizations can do. When we depend upon education, we get what education can do. When we depend upon man, we get what man can do. But when we depend upon prayer, we get what God can do. Isn't that incredible? When we depend upon prayer, we, we get what God can do. God can raise up a generation of people, friends, where the church is never in need of leaders because the church is a praying church seeing that the harvest is plentiful and asking God of the Lord of the harvest to raise up leaders and doing our part in raising up that generation of disciples and leaders so that they can become harvesters in the kingdom. Which leads me to number seven. The harvesters are sent out. He says, send out the harvesters. Friends, harvesting is not just for the four walls of a church building or a Sunday meeting. Harvesting happens as an expression of church life that actually outside of the church building that's as important as the church meetings. That's Harvesting is that expression of the life of God and the gifts of God and the fruit of the Spirit and the life of God through His people in everyday life and offices and buildings and in coffee shops, wherever you find yourself, is, important, is as important as our Sunday meetings, friends. And I want to encourage you that actually when we start to see the harvest, we start to get a lens for the harvest, what actually happens is we start to see the harvest everywhere, just like Drew and Megan did. Everybody becomes a potential harvest opportunity. And I think more than ever, we need to have a good reputation in the marketplace as believers. And not only the way we do business, what business we do, what, how we do business, the way we do business, the way we speak to people, the way we treat people, how we spend our money, all those sorts of things, friends. Never before is there a need for the reputation of, of, of the believers in the everyday world to be on a high bar because we are called to be sent out. And it's point is being sent out and actually messing it up and not representing Jesus well when in fact the harvest is looking for Jesus. Friends, the harvesters are sent out. You and me are sent out. Not just, into, not just to stay in the four worlds. Not just to do a church meeting. Not just to do a home group meeting. But our whole life becomes a field for harvesting. It's an incredible opportunity we in. My last point, And this should encourage you. No part of our labor in harvesting is in vain. No part of our labor in harvesting is in vain. John chapter 4, Jesus' verse 36, it says, the good, the good of their work would last forever. He, he kind of, he, those that, ga- that gather fruit to, for eternal life. It's like the work that you do here kind of translates into eternity. And it's a wonderful thing to think. And it says the sower and the reaper. So it's kind of like this person is reaping, but actually somebody else sowed. And because you reaped, the sower also is joyful and glad somehow, and the sower also gets to enjoy this eternal reward and this power that is released in hope and joy. But I love this text in one John chapter 5, uh, one Corinthians chapter fifteen verse fifty eight. It says, "Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm." Now, one Corinthians chapter fifteen is that text where, where it's the kind of he's talking about the end times. He's talking about your resurrection body. Talking about how important Jesus is He's kind of what happens when you die, and it's all these all these kind of big questions are coming out, and they all end up coming and landing in Jesus, and it, and and kind of in the mission of the church, and it's wonderful at the right at the end of that chapter. This is the last verse of that chapter. It says, therefore, because of all these massive eternal kind of questions and about, a, about a, a physical resurrection and what's going to happen when you die and, and, and all of this. Therefore, my dear brother, stand firm. Because you've got hope in this, because you know what's coming, because you're in an eschatology, you, you're kind of starting to dig in and say, God, what's, what's in front of us? What's in the future? What are the, what's the life that I must live now so that I can walk into the future that God has? Therefore, my dear brother, stand firm. And I want to say to you, Kingsway Church, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Always give yourself fully to the work of the harvest, because you know that your labor, there's no part of your labor that is in vain. There's no part of your labor that will be lost, will will not be seen. Your labor is not in vain. There's eternal value in when you, when you partner with God for the harvest. There's eternal value. Don't give up. Stand firm. Believe in what Jesus has got for, uh, done for us. Believe that He died for your sin. Believe that He's put you right in right standing with the Father. Believe that He has a, a great eternal future for you. Believe that there's a mission and a, and a work of God that He's got planned for you. Believe, friends. Stand firm in this thing. Give yourself fully to that. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Nothing that we do for God will be lost, friends. Nothing that you do for God will be lost in Him. Whether that's serving on a Sunday in a church meeting because there's a harvest at hand, or whether that's out in your workplace doing the work of God and playing your part in seeing people for the good of humanity and seeing people come to Jesus. None of it is in vain, friends. And I want to exhort you as a church, as you continue in your, your eschatology series, to look at the harvest. Look at the harvest. Find joy and hope in the harvest. Find provision in the harvest. Find prayer in the harvest. Find your place in the harvest field. I want to to encourage you as a church to start looking beyond yourselves and start seeing the harvest that is out there, the people that God wants to add to you as a community because the harvest is plentiful. Don't think it's four months. Don't think it's four months. Don't relax. Don't wait. The harvest is upon us right now. There are people that don't have a shepherd that are looking for a shepherd in Jesus' name. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for this incredible church. Thank you for Greg and Laurie and Father and the, and the, and the eldership team, the leadership team at Kingsway Church. Thank you for every person that is part, that calls that church home and all those that are not, that are potentially watching online. And Father, will you make us into a church that is like a combine harvester, Lord God, that brings people in, that, that looks for the good, of others looks out for the good of others and can be a church that is that our eyes are open to the harvest give us a revelation of the harvest give us a compassion like Jesus had there was a compassion for the sheep that were without a shepherd give us that compassion that love for people Lord God that will give us an an eye and give us our eyes for harvesting over this time bless this church bless every single person watching and uh, have a great day Kingsway Hope you enjoyed that. Bless you.